Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. As a parent, do you ever wish someone could just whisper some realistic and trustworthy support in your ear and not make you feel awful for not having all the answers? Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, developmental psychologist, parent educator, clinical professor, and I'm a mom. My goal is to make your parenting journey less overwhelming and a lot more joyful. Please join me every Friday for new episodes of Raising Good Humans. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and for our final episode of 2021, we'll be making workplace predictions. To help, I've invited career contessa coaches Jill Jacinto and Jennifer Simmons to the show. In addition to career coaching, Jill and Jennifer's experiences also include recruiting and HR and HR consulting for companies. So they're on the front lines when it comes to hearing what's on the minds of both employers and employees. Stay tuned to hear what we think will be the top five workplace trends next year. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. So last year I was joined by the Career Contessa team, Kayleen and Aaliyah, and we made the following predictions. So Jennifer and Jill, I thought it'd be fun if we kind of played a game of true or false. And I'll just kind of volley these back and forth between the two of you. So the first workplace prediction, Jennifer, was employers will pay more attention to employee wellness. Was this true or false and why? I think it ended up being true because we came off of a pandemic, right? So everybody was really concerned about mental wellness, maybe more than they had ever been concerned before, employers included, um, because folks had been isolated. So I think we saw more innovation from employers on how to help take care of employees from a mental standpoint. So true. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Okay, workplace prediction number two, Jill, this will be for you, is flex and remote work are here to stay. Uh, Very true. I think with the pandemic, of course, companies saw that employers did value their work from home time. They like the benefit of not having to commute. And companies do see the productivity. Will companies go back to five days a week? I think some will, but the majority will keep this flex work for their employees. 
Yeah. I mean, I know we're going to probably talk about this more, but I would say uh, the people who are thinking about going back to five days a week, maybe look at the data (laughs) because uh, people feel pretty strongly about not necessarily wanting that. So, um, okay. But workplace prediction number three, Jennifer, I'll throw this to you, is salary expectations will get a work from home overhaul. Did we see that happen? I'm going to lean toward neutral false, if I can say that, because I think Companies maybe started off with those intentions. We're going to make all these changes. And then employees kind of said, yeah, no. So I think we started off seeing that. And then companies realized what it was going to take to actually implement that and what it meant for their workforce. And they sort of backed off of it. So I'm going to go neutral false. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I And also then there was the great resignation. So in a weird way, I don't think they did a work from home overhaul. I think they are just being forced to pay more potentially because their hands are tied and they need to hire people. So we're not going to give them credit for that. <laughs> so, okay. Workplace prediction number four, Jill, this will go to you, is get ready for more temp and project-based employment. So kind of more gig employment in 2021. Did we see that? This is kind of a, a tough one. I almost want to go neutral on that or neutral false like Jennifer did because we did see the great resignation. A lot of people left the workforce, but they are coming back. And I think how they're coming back is in more of this gig-based concept, but it's as a result of feeling like they were pushed out of that full-time work experience. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And the last workplace prediction we made for 2021 was mothers will continue to face setbacks. This is almost like, I don't even know if we need to even (laughs) acknowledge this, but Jennifer, true or false? (laughs) Sadly true. I mean, because I feel like there were some good intentions this year from a legislative standpoint. We started off really strong um, to try to take care of working mothers with paid family leave. And now that we're kind of at the end of the year, it seems like we have really lost some steam on that. I will also say in sectors that are heavily dominated by women, um, healthcare being one of them with nursing, education, with teachers, we have really put healthcare workers and teachers in a very interesting and precarious situation this year. And I don't, and you know, a lot of those women are probably working mothers And so we didn't, in my opinion, do them a lot of justice this year. No, no. It's like the setbacks just keep getting further and further back. And yes, at at the time of this recording, we don't know if there's going to be paid family leave included in the Build Back Better bill. Um, So yeah, I think there's a, I would say that that was definitely true. Okay, so that was 2021. Let's move on to 2022 because we are going to share five new workplace predictions that are kind of floating around the internet. So let's start, Jill, with your first prediction for 2022. What do you think? I think well-being is really going to be at the forefront of 2022. And a lot of that is just coming from burnout. Everyone that I talk to, a lot of my clients, a lot of my colleagues, they're just somehow so wrapped up in work and family that it's almost impossible to feel like you're accomplishing anything or giving yourself a true break because the plus minus of Lex work and working remotely and working from home is when does the work stop? So our employers are really getting so much more out of us, but at what cost? So um, Mm -hmm. I recently read a great interview on this topic in the Washington Post, uh, basically due to the aftermath of the pandemic, Again, that physical, mental health burnout is there and people are really suffering. Lena Nair, the CHRO from Unilever says, best, we're all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. 
which basically means that employers really do need to personalize different situations and create personalized solutions for people to really recognize that just because your employee is able to do one thing, employee B is not able to, you know, jump online after work hours or take that 7 a.m. call because they have to drop their kids off from school or return to work five days a week because their kid's school might be in quarantine. So it's that next week. So it's really recognizing how to meet people where they are and address this burnout issue. Yeah. I I think to your point about them addressing it is also important because I think employers wait for employees to come to them and say, this is what I need. This is what I'm going to ask for. And there's something also very burnout and exhaustive about that is like, why do I always have to be the one as the individual to ask for something to change or different policies or, you know, structure or whatever it is. And um, I think it's sort of this like champion of us as a collective asking for things or having you come to us versus like the individual, it always being on the individual's uh, like to-do list basically. So that's, I, I agree with you. I, we hear about burnout everywhere. I mean, I get interviewed for articles for it. We had a, a po- great podcast episode on it and it's just like, it, it is like the request to talk about it never ends. So that should tell everyone <laughs> something in addition to everyone feeling it. Jennifer, anything you want to add to this before your prediction? Sure. I guess I totally agree with Jill. And I also feel like there is still this American work culture of martyrdom and I'm working really hard and I love to tell everybody how late I work and I was up till midnight and then got up at five. Let's stop doing that because that's not cool. You're only really hurting your own health by doing that. And when you say that to a colleague or a coworker, what are you trying to accomplish? Right. Because I have colleagues and coworkers at all levels of life at all of my jobs that have said stuff to me like that. And I don't think good for you. I think, God, that's really sad. So I think, you know, you're, you're creating your own burnout by not having boundaries and, you know, employers contribute to that. But I think employees also have to say, you know what, this is my firm boundary. And I don't think it's cool or sexy to be a martyr because I keep staying up till midnight, just staying online and working there is such a thing as having a life. And in the times that we are living in right now, having a personal life is actually probably more important than it ever has been before. So I think all of that, I agree with Jill, contributes to burnout. Yeah. And I, I, especially with like holidays coming up, it's like the employees who work through the holidays and, and, and send the emails, like you are directly contributing to it. So please. And you know what? There are so many amazing tools. Like you don't have to send the email. You can schedule to send it on the Tuesday after we get back from the holiday. Like you have the ability to actually hold back. <laughs> Cause I know some people are like, well, I've sent the email, but they don't have to respond. It's like, please just seeing that email is going to cause some anxiety for someone. So I, that's a really good point, Jennifer. Um, okay, Jennifer, let's talk about your prediction, your first prediction slash the second one on our list for 2022. So to kind of piggyback on Jill, my second or the my first prediction, second prediction is kind of that 2022 is going to be a strong gig economy because people are burnt out. (laughs) Um, And I think we are in a job market that is still in a lot of flux, um, which means people are still trying to navigate through pandemic protocol, just being burnt out from the pandemic. The workforce has changed dramatically. And I don't think we will see, you know, the workforce the way that it was in 2019 before all this stuff happened. 
I don't know that we'll be back there in 2022, 23, 24, 25. So I think we are going to be... charting new territory for a workforce. Um, And because of that, if people are interested in things that they've never done before, this is the time to strike while the iron is hot because employers are going to be making concessions in some aspects because the talent market has changed so dramatically. Um, So if you're, you know, have been longing to be a marketing guru and that is not what you studied in college, now is the time to try to make those kinds of moves because what you said earlier, everyone is moving around in the job market. And some people are moving around to a point where they're not coming back to it full time. They're becoming entrepreneurs. They are very satisfied with doing freelance work full time. So that is leaving some openings at companies for full time employees that want to do the 30 to 40 to sometimes 50 and 60 hour work weeks. I think, you know, healthcare, for example, one in five workers has left the healthcare field altogether. And depending on how the rest of this year and the next six months go, it may be two in five by the time we get to the end of 2022. So there's a lot of opportunity in that sector and retail restaurant education having the same struggles to keep full-time staff. So I think it's twofold. People are going into that freelance gig work because they figured out in 2020 when they lost their job that they could be really successful doing it carried through it in 2021. But I think companies are going to be forced to hire more freelancers just because the workforce is not the same for the 40 plus hour work weeks that we've been traditionally used to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think people got to own their schedules also for maybe even a short period of time during the pandemic. And they were like, I don't I love this. I'm self-disciplined. I'm able to do this. Like I should try the gig economy. I should try project-based work. And right now there's enough projects to go around. So I could also see people being like, if it ain't broke, I'm not going to fix it right now. You know, like this works for me. I also think there's like the pandemic brought this weird thing about commitment. It's like, I don't want to commit to one job or one thing right now because I kind of want to leave my options open to one, know what's going to happen and where this the world is going. And also just like, what if I change my mind? I've heard a lot of people have kind of written in and they're like, I got this job offer. I don't know if it's right. I don't know if I should. And it's like, you know, there goes back to that kind of that thing where there's like these unwritten rules, like you got to be committed to the job and stay there. And it's like, all of these things are kind of getting shifted around. So I'm seeing almost like a commitment phobia happening too. I don't know if you guys see that with your clients at all. I've definitely seen that. And I think going back to the, just the earlier point, I think that this is such a tipping point like we've never seen before or haven't seen since the Industrial Revolution or World War II when women came into the workforce. It's completely transformed the world of work. And this is our time to own it and create something that we really care about. Because I think going back to what we said earlier in terms of burnout and wellness, this is your time to to take care of yourself. So if you're not happy where you are, there is that great opportunity to do something else. If full-time isn't working for you for a myriad of reasons, then take that step backwards and go part-time. So that, again, you're just taking taking care of yourself, but still in the workforce. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of options. Okay, our third 2022 workplace prediction is the rise of the good enough job. And if you listen to this podcast, you know I've been talking about this for, well, years, but also it was something I talked about in my book. And we have a whole podcast episode on it. So listen to it. It's called The Argument for the Good Enough Job. But in a recent report by Vox Media and Watermark, overall job satisfaction has declined since the pandemic and career aspirations have changed for many women. 
again, we just kind of talked about that. So now instead of pursuing advancement, promotions, et cetera, the study heard from women who are pursuing the quote, good enough job, good enough Comp- compensation packages that give them the flexibility and the remote work so they can work their preferred hours and have a life outside of work. It's I, I can speak personally of this because someone actually approached me the other day about a job opportunity, which is really funny because like when you own your own company, you don't usually get approached for job opportunities. And it was a very high paying job. And I was like, I don't want that. You know, like, and maybe there was a time in my life where I was like, yeah, I, I want to like, pedal to the metal and have no life and just work, work, work. But, you know, I, I think there is a huge rise of people recognizing like life is not about work and the job title and the office and like whatever, you know, snazzy thing you can say at a cocktail party. I want to be able to have a life. I want to be able to enjoy my family. I want to be able to have real experiences. And I'm just seeing more and more people say, I'm going to ditch this quote, dream job or perfect job for the thing that is practical, the thing that gives me the 401k and the health insurance and the flexibility. And like, I don't need to be best friends with my boss. My boss is really good and gives me clear expectations and that's good enough for me. And I am just seeing more of that language floating around and I'm I'm for it because I've been trying to convince people for a very long time to stop talking about dream jobs. It just sets us up, our expectations up for a place where there's nowhere to go but down, I feel like. What do you guys think? I <laughs> Jennifer's like, uh, I don't know. What, what should I think about that? <laughs> I mean, I definitely agree with that. I think I also have heard from a lot of clients that have said, I don't know, I can't do it all. And I think that the future of work is balance. Like how, how, what is one way that we can balance our work and our family and all the other things that keep us going? And it, it might be taking that good enough job. Something else that I, I like to point to is it's a career jungle gym, right? So there are going to be periods in our life where we're going to want that good enough job because that's how we're going to make it through our day. And so right. enjoy life. And then there'll be other periods that okay, you have that more energy, you have more time to take on that risk and responsibility. So, you know, you're able to have a job that maybe is more up that quote unquote corporate ladder, so to speak. Um, Yeah, I agree. I think think that the difference is before, if you didn't have, if you weren't aspiring to be the top, 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 it was like, what are you doing with your life? And now I feel like there's this new thing of like, I'm proud to say that I'm not aspiring to the top, top, top at this exact moment where before it was like very shameful in a way, if that, if that makes sense. But I think that is just like the brand of feminism that was being sold in what, 2010? You know, the 2010s was like lean in. If you're not leaning in, you're a loser. What are you doing with all your opportunities that you're not taking advantage of? So yeah, that's that's my prediction. Okay, Jennifer, you have our fourth prediction. Okay, so... I was making that face and I know podcast, you can't see my face. Not because I was like, Oh, I don't know what I think about that. But I was more like, that is so real and so relevant. The good enough job. I feel like you should trademark that because I think (laughs) what the majority of my clients, I'm probably going to start using that because I think everyone is trying to figure out what that is for them because climbing the corporate ladder is no longer what anybody wants to do because that means you are probably going to burn yourself out. We are going to keep talking about burnout in this podcast. But anyway, my um, my next prediction is that because of the market being in flux, because of the burnout, because of the good enough job, um, we are going to see a lot of employers really trying to figure out how to do this remote work thing. And yeah. I think some of them 
are saying, yeah, you're going to come back to the office. And that is falling flat on the face because yeah. there are two kind of major schools of thought in the, in the employer world right now. And I think 50% of them are really getting it and they're doing a good job. They're, they're understanding that, Hey, these people just worked at home for almost two years and they were quite well successful at it. Why would I mess that up? And some of them, you know, may have better productivity at home than they did when they were in the office. So if that works for people, we're totally fine with that. But then I think you have the other half of the companies who are a little bit more old school who are going, well, I have this big corporate building and I spend all this money on it and people need to come back to it. And that just doesn't work for everybody. Some people Mm -hmm. probably do want that because some people need the focus. They don't want to be working in their home. I understand that. But a lot of people like working from home. And I think companies are going to be navigating that throughout 2022. They already have been. But as we progress through our situation here, that could change and could change some more. And I think we're going to see more hybrid work. I think we're going to see people doing a little bit of both. I think we're going to see companies where some people decide to go to the office because they like it and other people want to stay at home because they like it. And that's fine. I think these drawing hard lines in the sand about you must come to this office and do this work. I think some companies are still trying to do that. But I think in 2022, they're probably going to finally get the memo that that's not how you drive employee engagement. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard too that some employers are like, well, employees stay working somewhere because of the relationships they build and they can't build relationships online. So they have to come back to the office in person. I'm like, you know, when someone's like totally lying, but trying to make it sound like a fact, I'm like, that's not true. Maybe, yes, maybe it was nice to be able to get lunch in person and do stuff with someone at the office. But I don't know about you guys, but I still build great relationships talking to people online, talking on the phone, the Slack message I am, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think that speaks to people assuming that people form their all of their social relationships at work. And that goes back yeah. to what I said <laughs> earlier about having a life and having a personal life and how important that yeah. was. Um, yes, you may build some friendships at work, but if that's the only place you are building relationships, then we have a whole nother problem, yeah. right? Because <laughs> yeah. you should be building those relationships everywhere you know, work is not the primary place to make friends. You've got to do that in your community. And so this notion that you have to come to work to have social relationships is just a farce. Yeah, they're making that up. No, I mean, I agree. But I do think it is important to create uh, relationships with your colleagues at work, which is now a skill that we all know how to do over Zoom digitally, just like we had to do learn email at one point, social media. I mean, these are all just technological advances that. This is the here and now. Um, And I think that I definitely agree with this in terms of, you know, we're going to see remote work. It's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Um, But we need to remote work with intention. And I think that's where a lot of employers are missing uh, missing out on. If some of my team is going to come in on a Wednesday, but I'm coming in on a Thursday, that doesn't really make any sense for me to not be with them and create that connection or have a team meeting or a brainstorming session. So I think those types of... I completely agree. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to get truly more clever and more thoughtful about how they do this because before it was like a one-size-fit-all approach and you're not going to have that anymore. And so it's going to have to truly have some structure and some thought behind it. And that might not be a bad thing, you know? So that's 
my take. Okay, Jill, share our last and final workplace prediction for 2022. Oh, and it's almost good that this one is last because it really picks up a lot of the pieces that we're talking about. But I believe that reskilling is going to be a big part of 2022 due to burnout, people leaving the workforce, maybe coming back as part-time employees. It's going to be reskilling, just making sure that we have the right skills in place to be competitive in the job market. So employers investing in their employees, making sure they have the right talent at the right time so that they don't have this large group of people leave, that they actually can retain them and then retain the right people um, moving ahead. So, um, Mm -hmm. and actually Mercer releases every year a global talent trends report and for which I, I work for them. They released it last year and they highlighted that reskilling was going to be very competitive and um, there, it was one of their trends for the future. So I see that even moving mm-hmm. into 2022. Mm-hmm. I've even seen the trend of returnships. So employees or employers are offering that to some people as an option. So I think I think the terms returnship, reskilling are going to become kind of I don't know, more common terms that people think about. Like, for example, when you go for an interview, someone might say, you know, I reskilled to transition into XYZ and that won't seem so weird. And for years, making a career transition, you've always felt like some alien, like you're just like floating out there and they have no, you know, you have to somehow deeply convince them. And I'm kind of excited because I feel like maybe we won't have to deeply convince people that, hey, you can transition. You can do something different in your long, long career throughout the stages without being treated, you know, like, I don't know, like you're doing something wrong. Um, Jennifer, what are, what's your take on reskilling? I think that is just spot on. It, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. If you've been working in a field or in a specialty area and your whole life, you've wanted to do something different, reskilling is sort of what will help you do that. And I think more employers are going to be open to helping people do that because, you know, they're going to be looking for new talent and you have to do that to continue to pro- progress your business. So I, I agree. Yeah. With you on that one. yeah. And if people are wondering, well, where can I do reskilling? What are the resources for reskilling? Uh, Jill, do you have some favorite online resources for this? Um, I mean, it definitely depends on where, which industry you're in, but there is a lot of opportunity online through. Coursera or even LinkedIn Learning have good courses and certificates that I'd recommend. But mm-hmm. I think, yeah, thinking of your industry first, seeing where people that you admire in your industry are and what certificates they might have and courses they might have taken. Um, but I mean, now now is definitely the time to do it. Yeah, I would. I'm a big fan also of like start with informational interviews. You want to be a project manager? Go have informational interviews with project managers. Learn more about what they do and get the, pick their brains. Like, what do you have any certificates or additional training? What do you recommend? And they they will know the names that are important for that industry. So I think to your point, Jill, it's really important to understand kind of what you want to maybe reskill to do because, for example, Coursera might be like the thing to do if you want to get into social media. I'm just making this up. But if you want to do design like Adobe, 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 you know, and they have courses and online trainings and stuff like that. So really good point. Okay. So I just want to recap our workplace predictions. So number one is personalized wellness solutions for employees. Number two is the growth of the gig economy. 
Number three was the rise of the good enough job. Number four is continuing to figure out what hybrid working means. And I just want to point out too, your company is figuring this out for the very first time. So cut them a little slack, give them the feedback, fill out the surveys that they send you seriously um, and kind of try to work with them as they figure out what hybrid uh, working means and what it looks like. That's one of the ways to, to get what you want out of it. And number five is reskilling. Jill and Jennifer, anything else you guys want to add for 2022? Buckle up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Think about all these predictions and really take time to invest in yourself. What recognize, are you burnt out? How are you feeling? How do you feel in your job right now? Is this the time to pivot and try something new? Take on those skills. I mean, you're never going to have more of a jumping off point than this time right now as the whole world yeah. works us out. Yeah, take advantage of it for sure. I agree with that. And I also say this and, you know, to everyone, to clients, to my own family, don't forget to have some personal fun in 2022, because it's really easy to really focus on your career and focus on all these things that we're talking about that are changing and have anxiety about it. What am I going to do? Where does, where do, what does that mean for me? Where am I going to fit in? How do I navigate this? You know, be balanced in that. Be balanced in your anytime, not just in 2022, in 2027, be balanced in what you're doing for your career and also what you're doing for your personal self. Yeah, that's a really good note to end on. And um, to piggyback off of what you said, Jill, about investing in yourself and your career, don't forget, Jill and Jennifer are career coaches on Career Contessa. You can work one-on-one with them. You know, I think a lot of people think, oh, career coaching, whatever, I don't need that. I can just do this own thing. But you guys know, I know when people work one-on-one with clients, there's that really personalized, tailored, unique advice. And it really, I think, does help people to take action a little bit more because you've got someone on the other end kind of keeping you accountable and, and coaching you through. So um, I'll put the links to um, both of their coaching profiles in the show notes. Jill and Jennifer, thank you so much for playing prediction game with me and sh- sharing your thoughts for 2022. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. If you'd like to support our show, we'd love it if you could leave us a review and rate our podcast. Oh, and be sure to subscribe. It all helps our show so much. And a big thank you to Jill and Jennifer for sharing their advice and predictions. Don't forget, you can work one-on-one with them through Career Contessa's coaching service. I've linked to their coaching pages in the show notes. And lastly, we're wishing you all a happy and healthy new year. And to make sure your year starts off on the right track, we're not missing a beat or episode. So you can expect another episode from us Tuesday, January 4th.